Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe any and every area of your life has a little more potential that you can tap into to change the course and trajectory of your outcomes. My name is Clarissa Parody and I am your host and I have worked and trained in the worlds of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I am the person who believes in and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if that sounds like something that's in your world, your reality, and something you want more of, welcome to the show. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Recording in progress and it is the Be Better podcast. Hello, if you haven't met me or if you've forgotten who I am, I am Clarissa. And today I have a new friend, a guest, Beverly Simpson, who is joining us for, is it, do you, is it go, does it go by B Simpson Fitness? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And she is all the way out on the East coast and we were connected through I have a mutual friend with you. You you work with this individual, and I was super excited when I heard about you. I was like, I must meet her. I must meet her. So, welcome to the Be Better Podcast, Beverly. Nice to have you, Clarissa. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be here, connect with you, and share some stuff with uh, your peeps. I'm so happy to have you here. We just before we got started, we were talking about all the things that almost stopped us. From- <laughs> Whether it's the second something happens, the Zoom updates, or you're with your kids and you get stuck into and pulled, you're pulled into a nostalgic movie. I was like, I actually now want to watch it again. (laughs) Homeward Bound for all of you folks who haven't watched it. If you want your heartstrings pulled and and, and to be just pulled into the screen, I feel like that's a good movie to get yourself pulled right in. So good. So true. So good. Excellent. So you run a business right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm sure it just didn't one day like be like, I'm a business owner. So let's talk about how you got there. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Um, and I will, you know, I'll do my best to be concise, but honestly, how I got there, I I grew up in California, which I had shared with you. And I, what ended me up in New York is at the time I was chasing the Broadway dream. So I went to, a, I got my master's. A girl and- after my own heart. What? <laughs> Shut up. So true. So I got my master's in musical in, in, um, it's such a funny story, honestly, when I think about it and go back to these days, but I got my master's in musical theater at cap 21. I went to a Tisch school. Like I was a like, you know, doing the grind. I, I uh, was a waitress for a while and I'm laughing because what pulled me out of it was really two things is that I had I had heard some advice from one of my friends who's on Broadway. And she said to me, she said, you have to love the process more than the outcome Mm -hmm. because you're going to spend more time in the process than you are in the actual outcome of what happens. And I really lived my life from that. Right. And so I I came to this point where the grind of auditioning was just not, it was not the scene. It was not, I was not enjoying it. And I had a couple of things that kind of happened at once, which was, I was hating waitressing. I did it for four years and I hated it. And I was hating the grind of auditioning. And I had this conversation with my dad and, you know, I love him. So there's no shame, but he's like, you know, you just, and it was coming from a place of, of happy, of like wanting me to be happy. So Mm. I forgive him for this, but it was like, maybe this just isn't for you. And I kind of received that. And then at the time, 
at the time, I really was operating from this belief that I could out train my, and then when I say train, I mean, out work out my body. Like I was carrying a lot of like, oh, I'm not getting the role because of how I look. Mm. So, so I was living in the gym and that was when I had been approached with like, Hey, why don't you be a trainer? And I had this moment of helping someone else. And this is the part that I laugh at because I, so this was all happening at the same time. And I had this like, oh, theater's narcissistic. And I don't want to, I'm always thinking about me and now I can help someone else. So let me leave this narcissistic industry for fitness. And I look at it now and I'm like, God, <laughs> it's so funny, right? That's why oh. I laugh. Well, especially because outwardly it can be there. I mean, there's so much we see of fitness that we, it's, it's, yes. uh, it's, it's exactly physical. Yes. Like, I'm like, I don't think I, I can remember the first time I started working out, I was in university. Like I, so I grew grades like seven to 12. I was in a performing arts school. So specialized teachers, all this great stuff. Like I had people who were on Broadway, who were my instructors, like very cool, very cool experience. And then I, I get deterred from pursuing that dream. And my dad's like, so you know what happens when people go to university? I was like, like possibility dreams. He's like, no, they, they gain weight, <laughs> the freshman 15. And I think the first time I stepped in a gym was in university and I was like, oh wow. People actually take this seriously. <laughs> like, oh, I had, yeah. I had no idea. And I was like, just stupidly like figuring out buttons on the elliptical or treadmill. Cause it was the least intimidating piece of equipment. I was like, this is, this is going to be humiliating. Fast forward, uh, it turns out fitness is now for my sanity and not for my looks, but my God, I had no idea. Oh I, I was like, I live much like, I think I lived, lived under a rock for a few things. The cats that are gray that I didn't know existed <laughs> and realizing people worked out to look good. I was just, I don't know that, I mean, blessing in disguise for sure, but wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. So, uh, clearly you ended, you landed there. So, so things started stacking up. You started helping someone in the gym and you left. So what was your next step? So then, from- I, then I got certified. Okay, great. And then I became a trainer for crunch in Manhattan. And I was the fastest growing personal trainer to assistant fitness manager, to fitness manager, to district fitness manager. And then I got pregnant. Oh yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Then I got pregnant with my eldest daughter, Gwendolyn, who is now seven. And in, it was interesting because at the time, you know, this is not that long ago, right? So seven years, 2015, I had gotten this advice that she, you know, my sister said, uh, don't Google anything because it's going to scare you. So I kind of went, yeah, I kind of went too far and I didn't Google, like I literally, anything. <laughs> I had zero things. Zero zero idea of what was going to happen. My sister, the, my sister called me and said, Hey, just so you know, I mean, I'm literally like 32 weeks pregnant. She's like, you're still going to look pregnant when that baby comes out. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Hmm? We didn't agree to this. Where was that in the contract? I didn't sign that. (laughs) I was like, why the baby's going to be out. And she's like, Oh no, this is not how it works. And I was like, Oh, and then, um, I'm not, I like not even exaggerating. I will tell you, I, it surprised, I, I have, I don't have kids, but I had, a, I have a sister who's had two children and 
I was like, but it's God. Like, like, shouldn't it just like, yeah, just where again, the rock. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry for my listeners. You are now understanding why I have some <laughs> cheerful optimism. It's because this rock is really nice and really obscuring sad. me from reality. <laughs> you know what? Reality isn't real. Okay. <laughs> so you discover you're, you're not going to go back to normal. <laughs> oh yeah. No. So now I discover this, right. And then I'm starting to have this intersection of feeling like, how am I supposed to be a, you know, the full-time, a full-time parent as well as contribute to society. Right. Mm. And, and the thing that I felt very conflicted by was this concept of, of, you know, feeling, it was like, I, I felt very pulled in this sense of, of, I love my job. Cause I did. I really love my job and I love being a parent. How can I make both work? And it was just this very interesting conflict within me. And so then, and, and so then I stayed at work for a long, like at, as a district fitness manager for a year, a year, you know, a year with parenting Gwen. And, I have a question Yeah, because I know it's different for with my listeners around the world. We are par- parental leave, maternal paternity leave, maternity leave looks different. So what, like you give birth, how fast are you going back to work? I gave birth and I went back to work. Um, I had 12 weeks. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to be honest, for th- I, I would have gone back week one. Wow. Mm-hmm. But then okay. I, like, okay. What about going back? Like what, what like with going back to week d- during week one, like what was it about that would, that would have had you chose to return within a week if you got to? So I love my children. I want to caveat this by saying this, okay? Because I love my children. But if you follow me on social, you know that I also love to hate them and love to hate the experience of parenting, okay? And one of the funny things I say all the time is I take back everything I've ever said to and thought to any person that's had a child and any stay-at-home mom because my husband would go to work and I'd be like, you're going on vacation. And he'd be like, yo, I'm going to work. I'd be like, you're on vacation. You have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Like I just, you know, okay. So with that said, right. So that was part of it. Part of it is that when you in that fourth trimester is like, and the grind of baby time, it is like, I would never go back there in a million years, even knowing now what I know. Like I also practice for the record for anyone who cares. I practice conscious parenting. So it's very like punishment free, no yelling, treating them like, you know, people it's very, um, um, that that's the environment that we've built and, and validating feelings as well as shifting perspectives. It's just a very different way and style than I was used to. And I would still never go back to that fourth trimester because it is absolutely just, it, it felt like an out-of-body experience because first of all, your hormones, it's like the Red Sea parts. And then you're like, the hormones go, Psh. and it's like, you have this outer body experience where you can like see yourself from a 30,000 foot view and you're like trying to control it, but you can't. It's like, <laughs> like crazy. It's like crazy right <laughs> oh my god I can't even imagine and I just like the you have I had a I told you I was a nanny for a while and I that, that mom went back at three months and I had spent like 10 hours a day with a baby 
And I thought to myself, hi, don't, I, this is not mine. So I imagine if it was mine, it would be different, but there is, there is no, there's nothing happening that is stimulating in a way that makes me feel better at all. I just feel like I'm stupid at all times. Kind of. And it's very isolating. It was, oh, for sure. At least for me, it was a very isolating experience. And this was also, uh, you know, I was living in Manhattan. Yeah. And we were in Manhattan and then my husband moved us out of Manhattan and moved us into Croton, which is where I am now, which is Westchester. And I was telling you a little bit about it before we hit record, but he took a city person and put her in the, uh, suburbs and not just any suburbs. It's like the country. And he's like, no, this is new England. And I said, no, bro, you put me in the country. Okay. And so I'm isolated. It was just a very, it was a very time. It was a time I would not revisit. I'll say that. It's a, it's a time of character building. Character building. <laughs> character building. So then I got pregnant with my second baby and I was, uh, and at the same time I was working with and for a boss that was, happened to be a parent, but it was just not him and I were not a good fit in, mm. in, in our leadership what we had in how we, how we led teams. I'll say that. And so there was a perfect time for us to part ways. And I had enough, and I went again, I went back to that advice that my Broadway friend said, if you don't love the process, why are you doing it? So, and I had this moment of, I could either build someone else's dreams or build my own. And even though I love to work and I do, I also loved to parent. So there had to be a way that I could have both. I don't, I just, I know that I, I really don't believe in either or, and I'm always looking for both, that I'm here for it all. A stand no, for the end. A stand for the end, exactly. I live in the end, exactly, right? So I said, how can I have both? I also think that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of questions that we both ask out loud and ask ourselves. And so- I started asking myself, how can this be and how can I have both? So then I started my own online business and it was another humbling experience because I was like, oh, I got this. I've run teams. I brought in $2.1 million. I know what to do. And then I go into the online space and I was like, oh, it's not quite the same. This is a little different and <laughs> interesting. Another character building moment in my life. Yeah. And honestly, it's really been full circle, right? I tell you this big, long story because when I started getting into the, the world of building life, like I started to have all, I'm building my own business, which we are, we've now grown to multiple six figures and we are on track to this year. We are hitting that $1 million mark. Excellent. Good for you. So it, I, it all comes, I started to realize and recognize, you know, patterns, patterns mean pay attention. So I started to notice that wherever, you know, cause it's this thought, you know, we all hear new level, new devil, -uh. same dang devil with the different dress on. Okay. And higher heels, higher heels. <laughs> yeah. And cause wherever you go, there you are. Right. So then I started to recognize and see all these patterns in my life that I was like, Oh, <laughs> it wasn't the industry. I had a lot of healing and healing and stuff I needed to do for me, right? Oh, it wasn't, 
you know, I just started to see all these patterns in my life that gave me the opportunity to evaluate it, to learn the lessons, because I also live my life knowing that you're either going to get the success that you want or the lessons that you need, period. Absolutely. So absolutely. Period. So then I started to release, heal all that, start moving through that, you know, and then that brought me to here, which is what, you know, I get to live life by design, essentially. Not by default. Not default. Yeah. It's such a, like that. I have so many questions. I was like, I need to go replay all of this. This is so good. I'm, I'm just going to reread the things I wrote. Okay. So when you said, okay, you had some patterns that came up and they were repeating themselves and it's either pattern mean patterns mean pay attention. There's something to like learn here, or you're going to get successful from it. What were the things you did to work through some of the patterns? You're like this again, this yeah. again, what, what were some of the steps you took? Such a good question. And I will, I will share. And I also want to say this too, because this does come up for me and it continues to come up for me. And I have to remind myself that I'm not here to graduate from having a human experience and that, and that there are things, and especially in the social world, in the social media world is that we, I, I noticed that I was, that I was either oaring if, if then it, right. Mm. As soon as I do X, then I'll do Y, right. Which can be in a very effective tool. Can be. But it also and provides conditional living. <laughs> conditional living. Yes. And it also can be, and, and for me, it was showing up in this place of, of, of what I call the high achiever, high performers curse, where we are constantly focused on the gap at the cost of not appreciating what's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And Amen. Yeah. <laughs> did y'all know you were coming to church today? Yeah. <laughs> did y'all know? <laughs> It is so well, true. Is well, and if you, because, well, I would even just listen to the beginning of your story, like the fastest growing go, and like, to be clear, the $2 million, wasn't that volume in a month? That it was a year. It was a year, was a year. in your region. A year in your region. Like, one million in a region, but that's, it's still a lot. That's a lot. Like it, to grow something and, and to have that much success that quickly. Um, one, you probably at some point, a sign of, at least for me, it was childhood, tra- childhood traumatic, uh, ex- uh, interpretations of experiences, not actually a- actual childhood trauma. Just like my little person didn't realize getting an A, uh, not getting one would, wouldn't kill me. I thought it would, I would possibly die if I got anything less than an A. So that creeped into adulthood in a very, very big way. But you sit there and all of a sudden it's only about the achievement. And then you don't actually, I don't think for years I experienced satisfaction. I would have that hit for maybe a microsecond, not even five. I'd be like, okay, cool. Now what? Okay, cool. Now what? What happened to like the relishing, like the the human experience you talk about means you get to experience all of it, the highs and the lows. And you can actually just be in that moment as opposed to trying to like to do this, do everything or have everything. And you can, if you have, if you include the B in that paradigm, the B do have paradigm, mm-hmm. you're going to have a much more um, satisfying life. Amen. And one of my mantras that I live by is I'm here for it all. I'm here oh, for it all. So I'm yummy. Uh, I'll also say, you know, oh my gosh, there's so many things. I just love, I love this. So I'm so- very happy with this conversation. <laughs> I was like, so did you want to hang out? Should I come over? I, it's a flight, I but I'll do it. <laughs> So the thing is, is that, um, so the reason why I wanted to give that caveat is because 
some of these things that I share, I still experience, right? It's that neural pathway in my life. It's in the brain where it's like that left-hand turn is always available to me and it's very easy to, to access it. And you know, the ego, the tonal, whatever word you want to use is very tricky and unconscious. And you will operate from that without even realizing it. You think, oh, I've handled that already. And then you look at something in a different way and you're like, right. So I just think that as high achievers, that it's important to remember and recognize that if it comes up again, that's okay. We're having a human, you're having a human experience, right? So for me, I think the first, you know, punch in the gut was this idea that, that it wasn't the fitness industry or it wasn't the, the industry itself that was narcissistic. It was me. It was a reflection of me knowing that I was the one that was narcissistic, right? And I want to, that word is a very, you know, I I love messaging and that world, it's a very loaded word. So I'll say self-focused as Mm, opposed to the actual like word. So, you know, not a diagnosed narcissist, not a diagnosed, (laughs) right. But I'll say self-focused, right? Think you got, if, if, you're, if you're curious listeners, think of the, the, the story of narcissus as opposed to the diagnosis, the story, mm-hmm. the, the entrapment of looking in the mirror, the, yes. the looking yes. glass. And, and yes. And it was just more like all those things that I was criticizing. And this is, you know, something I've come to learn is that, you know, your reticular activation system can only acknowledge what is present for you. Right. Mm-hmm. I always think of like when I took my kids to camp, I did, I did not know that the school buses were there every morning at 8 a.m. I had zero intake of it because it wasn't in my consciousness until it was in my consciousness. 100%. You pay attention to what your body and brain believe you yes. need to pay attention to. And if it's considered irrelevant, there's far too many stimuli in the world for you to digest it all. Correct. Did you, did you ever see that study about the baby that they, they're like babies learn like this woman was determined babies learn. And so she tied a string to the baby's foot and to it's mobile. And if it kicked, it would move things. And so she set it up and was able to replicate and replicate and replicate the study. And then she's like one more, one more round. And she takes these same babies, ties the string and the mobile to the baby and it doesn't kick. And she's like, Oh no. All of my research is gone. But what babies can't do, babies don't actually know what part of the environment is significant enough to know that the mobile, the string, and their foot are attached. They don't pay attention to that connection. They're like, well, the one thing that had changed in that environment was the curtains. So because the curtains were different, the learning experience was different in their mind. So obviously it wasn't the same thing. So as you get older and more mature in your neurology and your neural development, you start to know what to pay attention to. So you're going to siphon out the curtains that are irrelevant because what you know is foot string mobile and babies can't do that. But it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. It is so fascinating to watch. And it's like when you are holding your keys in your hand or you looked at the counter and your keys were there the whole time, even though you couldn't see them because you're seeing from memory, not from your present moment. So the school buses were there. <laughs> yeah, they were there. It just wasn't they were there. It's so true. Nope. And that is so fascinating. It's, I wish I could find that study. It was my favorite study when I, I would, I read it like six or seven times. I was like, this is insane. Kids are always learning and you don't even realize they're just trying to figure out what's important. They can't filter it out yet. Crazy. So crazy. So then, okay. So then I, that was my first kind of like, oh, 
this is me. It was me thing. And I did, Mm. I I had to really unpack that. So it was that body awareness stuff. And then, and then what happened was, is I hired, I also think that coaching and the right support is very important, right? I mean, listen, I am well supported. Like I have a parent coach. I have a business coach. I have, I have a life coach, right? Like I, I get support when I need it, but I had kept hiring these people and I needed to find the coach that could speak to my potential instead of the garbage I brought into the room. Mm-hmm. See you okay. for your greatness. See for what's yeah, possible. Because I was horrible. And I, <laughs> and I say that with love and grace to myself. Right. But I was, had a chip on my shoulder. I mean, I had, I, I had this, like, I mean, I think Dane, it's dangerous to say things like, I know this already. Uh, I think that it's dangerous to, you know, evidence is a double-edged sword. You, you have to go to the law of polarity. You cannot know the darkness without the light. And so okay. evidence is the same thing. And our brain is designed to automate things and to try and take the fast track. And honestly, if we could reset that button, I always laugh about Groundhog Day because honestly, that's like one of the biggest gifts that we could have. We could just reset every conversation, every moment so that we can choose to be do have Mm -hmm. right so that I needed to find the coach that could speak to that and I did and I was lucky shown the mirror to my face and I got to really like look at some things right and so that's what really like you know I started to make some really serious changes and then in November right it's so funny I always say my life's so boring but then when I tell it I'm like oh actually maybe not so then in November I had this, uh, I went to a conference, same mentor. And I, uh, said on the airplane, I said, um, I'm open and willing to receive. I set my intention to be open and willing to receive everything I need in order to get to my next level. And then I got COVID (laughs) (laughs) and then I got COVID pneumonia. Oh, come on. And I developed COVID complications and I literally fell on my back for a month. I was completely just like, COVID, please don't take me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Right. And so, um, again, I I really look. While you have, while you're mumming, you're mumming and on your back. My husband, well, this is just recently, right? My husband yeah. was, right? So, but, but still, like, it was terrible. It was really terrible on the kids. Like, it was hard. They were like, Gwen, my daughter Gwen was crying every day because she was like, Gwen, um, she was like, COVID kills people. You know, she's seven. So she knows, you know, she's yeah. not. But it, so it was, a, it was a challenging, it was a challenging time. I'll say that. <clears throat> and, um, and then right as I was coming out of COVID, so because I got sick like this, right, I, I lost momentum in the business and I realized and recognized that I was a bottleneck and this same mentor, I wanted to go into his mastermind and he, and I've known this mentor, he's, we talk on the phone, I spoke on his stage and he did not accept me into the mastermind. And it honestly, it crushed me. I cried. I spent like, I cried over it, but listen, like to, to learn your lessons does not mean let's put whipped cream on garbage. It doesn't mean we don't get to feel how we feel. Right. 
So I was feeling bad, but I was open and looking for the lessons. And I had this realization of like, Hey, listen, you need to, you know, you're only as good as the environment that you put yourself in. Right. If you look at an, if you look at an acorn and you look at an oak tree, right. If I were Mm -hmm. to ask you, you know, what's the difference? Like some people might say, you know, it's the same or it's the season grown version. Right. But the, you know, you're not going to look at the acorn and say, oh, you're just an oak tree with imposter syndrome. No, you are an acorn that needs the right environment, the right space, the right time to grow Mm -hmm. in and earn and, and grow into the wisdom of the oak tree. Right. And so I was really looking for those lessons and I had, and I uncovered just some things that for me to release, like it goes back to like being healed. Right. It's like, Oh, I healed that. I healed that. So now I'm all set. I'm already in a perfect bow. No, we're still human beings having living the human experience. And there's some things to learn. So, uh, that's ultimately what led me here. Long story long. Amazing. Okay. So with you get turned away from the mastermind. Mm-hmm. What was your net? Like, I mean, God damn, I would have, I would have been, I, oof, that that's a feeling situation. Cause I would have been like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't this working out? Like I'm actually willing to invest in myself. How come, like what, how did you pull yourself out? Mm-hmm. Well, so, um, Oh, that was dark times. I cried a lot. First of all, I, not as dark as postpartum. Nothing is as dark as that. But... There's so much I have to look forward to. I just, I can't, I can't even, I can't wait. I'm like, I'm going to call you be like, yo, Beverly, I'm pregnant. Tell me everything I need to know because I don't think I should Google it. You should just tell me. <laughs> okay. So not as dark as postpartum, but she's still not good. She was, it was still not a, it was yeah. still a hole. It was still, you know, it was still sad, right? So, so remember how you were, you know, we're talking and asking about like patterns, right? And so a pattern for me, and I think this happens a lot in high performers, right? And I'll, you know, I'll say this too, is that, you know, I grew up in a very critical household and it's not that that's bad, okay? Um, it is what it is. Not that it's good either. I'm not excusing it. It just is what it is. And it was definitely a different era. Yes. Like it was definitely different. Like I'm pretty sure my parents didn't just get criticism. They got a lot more physical redirection, if you will. Uh, but I lived in that critical household too. And I'm like, thank God it wasn't physical and critical to the extent, but I'm like, it also thank God for conscious parenting. <laughs> we have, we have changed a lot. We have come, we've come some directions. So we've come some strides. Yes. And you know, my parents are from Africa, right? So I was born in South Africa. So they're born and raised in Africa in the seventies, 60s, 70s. Oh. So like different era, different, different. culture, different, yep. everything, right? Everything. So everything. And, and I have come to respect my parents and I love my parents and respect what they did. I, I know and trust that we're all doing everything we can to the best of our abilities. Right. So I grew up in that critical household never feeling like I'm enough, never feeling like, and then, you know, I have a sister that is, was challenging and my parents, they <laughs> had a very challenging time with her. So now I'm in a critical household with a 
very, you know, very hard situation. And yet when you put that experience against, you know, big T trauma, we looked like, you know, yeah, we look like the girl next not, door. Why are you crying? Yes. <laughs> I don't understand. But it's, yeah. it, again, like experiences so, and stress is so subjective. Your lived reality is the only one you know. Yes. And so you can try to be empathetic and understand someone else's plight. But I, I will never know what it's like to be raised by parents that are from South Africa. Not in a million years. I'll have no idea. Um, but I certainly can imagine, <laughs> right? So big T trauma is different, but if you are stressed the F out as a kid, your nervous system regulates to what your nervous system knows. And you're going to do what you need to do in order to feel safe so that you feel like you can survive because your nervous system doesn't know the difference between critical parents and a saber tooth tiger. It just doesn't. You're, we're not there yet from a brain perspective. Correct. We're not there yet. Well- so my conscious parenting, she's like, let's just kind of unpack some of your, your, um, you know, childhood stress and trauma. And I was like, I didn't have trauma. My life was perfect growing up. Right. Mm. That's how I felt. And she was like, well, is that really true? You know? <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, we're kind of unpacking this coming to this. And so again, because and I share this because all those pathways in my brain still exist. So when, so it was a triggering event for me. It was a triggering experience for me to not be in that, in that mastermind. Cause I start to spiral and like, never enough. I'm never enough. I'm never enough. Mm, yep. Right? It's a, it, well, when you have that pathway, especially if it comes from a, a crit, like being in a critical household, you, and you develop that neural pathway of like, I have to try harder. I have to be better. I have to keep doing these things. It becomes a neuron super freeway. It is the most direct, easy. It's like the tallest pole that lightning is most likely to strike. Like it is just there. It's there. And it, and it takes a lot to like step off that crazy neuron freeway. Um, so fair enough that it keeps coming up and keeps triggering you in the downward spiral. My God, your brain, your brain does what it does best and it works as fast as possible. That's its goal. Right. Yeah. Okay. So she's unpacking this. She's doing this super, you realize you're down, downward spiraling. I'm mm-hmm. not enough. I'm not enough. So what did I do? Okay. What did you do? So, so again, right. I operate from like, what are the lesson? There's something here for me, right? It's this or something better. It's this or something better. So I just keep going to that question. Right. And so first of all, I, um, and so this is like right at the end of the year. Okay. So one of the things that I like to do, I, this is how I set my goals. And quite frankly, I usually teach my clients and students to do this at the beginning of the year. But honestly, every moment is a new opportunity to do this. You could do this every day if you wanted. So I like to, I take a piece of paper and I will write out all of the wins from the day or from the year, whatever, and the lessons. Success is your worst teacher, right? And it's really important to write out what went well. And this is also a habit I've done for myself because I need to rewire my brain. I need to look for these wins and then look for those lessons so that you can repeat them, right? Then I flip it over and then it's the missed opportunities, the lessons from that. And then I burn it, burn it. And then I throw it away. And I say, I, I leave this in yesterday. I leave this in 2023, right? Whatever, 2022. Then I'll set my intentions for the day, right? And so what I did was I started to begin this process and then I, then I, 
I ask for guidance. I ask for help, right? Whether you believe in God or universe or whatever it is, you're, I, I ask for support and I ask for, I ask for, for, you know, help me see the lesson I can't see yet. Cause I'm in pain, right? What is it that I'm missing? Right. And then when I ask for support, I start to look for it. I just look for it. And, and, and people, you know, and I look for the signs, people will ask me like, well, how do you know? Right. So this is like the, you know, I don't know how woo you want to go here, but this is like, bring on the woo, this you know, is a space, a safe space for woo. Okay. Cause you know, some people, like, what we're talking about is like, you know, I had a lot of time, a, a really hard time accessing my intuition and that feeling of like, how do I know when I'm getting spoken to? How do I know when I'm getting supported? And I realized, well, I get to decide that. Just decide that you are. What if every moment is 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 guidance? So then I started to take that in, and then I started to see uh, see things in an, and hear things in a way that I hadn't heard it before. So good, right? And so so I heard so I was and because so I asked for guidance, so I was looking for it. So I was looking for the evidence, and I was listening to one of my men- my mentors podcasts and I was going listening to a training and I was hearing how cuz cuz I was hearing how he was talking about uh uh scarcity and how it shows up for us and it was interesting because there's like I was seeing layer 1 and thought I had it handled but then I saw layer 2 which I hadn't seen before and so for me it was showing up like as we're stepping into wealth what was happening was I was asking myself, why is it that every time I make more money or attract more money, I also attract more bills? And I can't stand, I can't step into the sense of, 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 uh, of, of over, of overflow. Mm. I was saying overwhelm was coming to my mind, but that's not the word. We, don't, we, we want, we want less overwhelm. Yes. More overflow. Exactly. I wanted to step into the over overflow, right? I started asking myself like, well, why didn't I hit that mark? If that mm. was the benchmark, why didn't I hit it? Right. And I heard, you know, so then I realized, oh, it's because it's because I had been operating unconscious going all the way back to, to, to like not being enough to, to feeling like if I take too much than I deserve, I'm taking away from others. So it wasn't that I felt like I was greedy. It was that I was taking away from others. It was a new way of looking at scarcity. Mm. This is another example of how your ego, when you think you have it handled, show, it shows up again for you. So then I got to work that, release that. And now I'm just, you know, it's this or something better. And I know, mm. and I love my mentor. He loves me. We talk all the time. Like, it's fine. I know that it's this or something better. For sure. I, I I think those moments it's, I, oh, the critical household, man. I think that really impacted my ability to understand and, and see money, not as evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also like I have three younger sisters mm-hmm. and, uh, it was, you're the eldest, you know, better. So I always had to give up what I, what I wanted or what I thought could be mine or what was mine. What was in fact mine. It's like, I got this gift. I don't know, karaoke microphone when you're like seven years old and you have three younger sisters and it's like, well, but they want to play with it. Mm. It's yours, but you don't really get to have it. So that pattern 
came into money. Well, it's mine, but I can't really have it because I have to do this with it or give it away, or Mm -hmm. I can't really hold on to it. And the truth is you can do well and do good and having financial abundance or certainty, or I'll use the word comfort because maybe, maybe you're not ready for overflow, but what if you had enough money at the end of the month where if you wanted to, you could buy a night out for your family, or you could invest money. It's not, you're not hitting zero. And for a lot of people, I, especially, I, I can only speak to Canadian stats at the moment, but there's a lot of people who are hitting zero, hitting the black at the end of the month or in the red. And there's a lot of environmental and economic things that are at play, but consider that you don't have, you don't have to be at the affect whims and circumstances that, that exist. You can actually operate outside of those which I think was a very big eye-opener for me in the last like four to five years. I was like, oh my God, everyone's playing by these rules that they made up. They're not even real. And so when you look at your beliefs around, uh, and money is just a great thing to point to because it, how you think about money is probably also how you think about love. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and your health. Oh, and your health. Oh, for sure. Oh mm-hmm. my God, Beverly, I've had five near-death experiences. This is... I've never even connected that. Holy shirt balls, Batman. <laughs> well, I have some journaling to do after this podcast. You know, and, and you oh. hear, <laughs> say, right? Patterns mean pay attention. I said that, right? But, and you'll yep. hear people say like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And mm. that's not always true. Like some people will have their love life handled or they'll have their wealth handled, but then their health has, is an area of opportunity or vice versa. But what I've just noticed and seen is that, and at least for me, I'll speak for me and for my mentors is that, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And so I really started to look at, you know, how am I showing up in all facets and areas of my life, right? So you've heard of the logical levels, I'm assuming, you know, like in, when we're talking about be, do, have. This is why I actually don't think it's a pyramid. I think of it as a circle and that it all comes, it works synergistically together. This is why Mar- uh, Maria Kondo, is that her name? Her, when you change the environment, then you're going to, then you're going to affect your identity. You can come at it from behavior and then affect, you know, in habit training and then affect your identity. It's you like can come, so- yeah, or you can come at it from the consciousness and like, you know, think and grow rich or whatever, and then affect your identity. But ultimately it all points back to who you think you are in all areas of your life, health, wealth, and romance. What do you believe is true about you? Like I, when I, when when I I started, I had a coach who is like, what, what, what is this? What is going on? What do you believe is true about you? What do you, and we went through like 12 different areas of life. And what was interesting is your comment on like, uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I had a, another coach who was like that. And when I dug deep enough, (laughs) even the lot areas of my life that I was like, I got that under control. Oh, but like, did I, (laughs) it looked good. It looked good. It felt good. I even let myself feel good about certain things. But when, when I realized was that I was doing certain things in certain ways so that it felt like it was handled, but wasn't really, it's like the little girl who's really angry, but is people pleasing so that no one else is upset around her, but looks like she's cheery and well-mannered. And so I was cheery and (laughs) well-mannered in some of those areas of my life and only to realize that there was some digging to be done. And I was like, well, huh, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, um, 
That's good to know, but it, it gives you a, it gives you an opportunity to live life differently. when you have awareness, if you don't have awareness, making a change is really tough because you don't even know what could move the needle. And all it takes is a little hinge to swing a big door. It doesn't take much to make a door. I've seen little tiny hinges, move really big doors. And I'm like, wow, like that tiny little thing. Like, what if that was how I lived my life? What if it was just like a tiny little shift I made that could actually really move a lot of areas of my life? Things and to I think also, about. I also think there's the compounding effect. Oh, right? yeah. Right. And I want, you know, and I'm going to speak for to the high achievers here for a second, because I used to get really upset when I would hear, you know, like change your identity, be the person who's already at that level. And I'd be like, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't do that, bro. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I, <laughs> isn't that so true? Like I'm getting into character. Okay. Why isn't it working? Where's the yep. costume? I'm Where's being, I'm being, I'm being. Okay. And now I'm just frustrated. Now I'm being frustrated. Where's Oh, where's my set dresser? Oh, oh my real. God. Oh, I'm going to say three things, right? There's three things that really helped me unpack this. So if you're listening to this and being like, I can't get into this, I'm going to say this. This is really helped me is number three is three things. Number one is that I listened and started paying attention, right? I'm, I'm messaging. I, I do this in my business. I listen to the words and the intention of the words and the impact. I know that, right? So listen to what you are saying to yourself and any of the words that come after I am, that's your identity. That's number one. Then number two, what I started to do was I really started to pay attention to your, um, to angers, to triggers, right? So like, if you were angry, like, it kind of goes back. And I said it earlier, right? If you're getting irritated or irritable at something, or you're criticizing, or you're judging somebody else, you can only see that because of what's in you. And it's what it's part of you that you have cast aside as bad, negative you, right? So you have to integrate it. This is also why I hate those sayings of like, be fearless, fear. fear. No, 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 no. You cannot be courage and you cannot be courageous in the absence of fear. Courage only exists because of fear. You have to integrate it. Literally, right? you're not being courageous if there if there wasn't a fear to overcome. Correct. And make and it make like, sense. Yeah. And it's like I this one of my acting teachers used to say, hello, darkness, my old friend. Mm. That is what we are doing. We are integrating those negative feelings. And when you can do that, then you can be at peace, right? I, I always go back to Jesus. I always go back to Buddha. I always go back to like the true masters. When you go back to ancient wisdom, they became enlightened. They became masters when they said, I know nothing and integrate it, right? That's what we're talking about here. And so I always look at the triggers of what makes me feel angry. What do I judge? What are the things that I'm seeing in others that I don't like? And what is it that I'm seeing in others that I do like? Because those are all parts of you. Otherwise you, otherwise your Raz can't filter it. And so then I, and so I also, I also started to look at envy, right? Cause this also comes up a lot, it comes up for me and it comes up for the clients. My clients is that like, and it'll show up in different ways. One client will say to me, what do I, you know, why bother when someone, when so-and-so is already doing it? 
So sometimes it shows up as imposter syndrome, right? And that's just a reflection. If you like what that person is doing and saying and believe in them, it's a reflection of what's already true in you. And then it's the same thing as like when you're jealous of this person and, and you're envious of this person and saying things like they're so dumb because, you know, why are they so successful when they're so dumb? There's part of you that thinks you don't deserve to be successful because you're dumb. So let's look at that. Let's integrate that so that you could release it and move on. Yeah. When you start boxing it up, it just, it's the whole, what you resist persists thing. Like just, just because you're ignoring it, it's like ignoring the kid that's crying. The kid usually keeps crying Yes. and, and like, or pulls at your skirt or pulls at your skirt until you're like, come on, it'll, it'll ask, it'll ask for your attention until you give it it. And often I find with those emotions, if 90 seconds is like my, oh, I felt the whole thing. And now, now I can, rather than trying to fight it, which is exhausting by the way, because the truth is more than anything, as a human, you are an emotional creature. Mm-hmm. 98% mm-hmm. of decision-making or something like that is attributable to emotions, which afterwards we justify because we'd like to think we're rational. Isn't that cute? Um, <laughs> but you gotta, like, if you stop pretending you're human, you're going to fight how you are designed, how you are built, how your very infrastructure that was d- made such that you survive. You were, you either were made that way or you evolved that way. And you have those tools and resources for you to live fully, not for you to squander your own joy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Words, intentions, the I am's man. Holy cow. How many, how many times, even just by pa- in passing, when you talk to like, oh, I, I'm such an idiot. I forgot this. Oh yeah. Cancel, 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 delete, um, yeah. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. But it, it, it's, it's can be reflexive. Not like, oh, I'm so clever. I hid my keys on myself. <laughs> oh. Right. You know, maybe I should really try saying that. I have a new practice where I put my keys in the same spot. Uh, good for me. Dangerous if someone cases the joint, but I know where they my, are all the time. My so. people pleasers, my people pleasers, like, please, like we have to release. I'm sorry. I don't say I'm sorry. And when my kids say I'm sorry, I'm like, no, uh-uh, don't want to hear it. What do you, I do, do not receive. Do you give them some, like, uh, something in, like, because we often want to say something, is there something else they can say that would be helpful or because often a habit is replaced with another habit. Thank you. Thank you. So it sounds like this, right? Um, so I'm sorry for late. Right. And I said it on this call, actually, I was a little bit late, but what I, um, cause I was, you know, so homeward bound, but what I usually, <laughs> what I usually would say was thank you so much for your patience. I realized yeah. I was two minutes late. Yeah. I, and the other thing you said earlier was, and that ties into that is like, what are you, what are you directing attention towards? So you said the quality of your life is the quality of your questions. And one of the Richard things Bantler I said that that's a quote from Richard Bantler. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I like asking the, my thought is ask the, I, I heard it from someone and I took it on and I've incorporated it into my being, ask the questions you want the answers to. Why am I so angry? I don't want to know the answer to that. I don't actually care why I'm so angry. I care that I am angry and don't want to be. So mm-hmm. what could I do to be, to release this? How could I be more joyful? Where can I create more space in my life and freedom and grace and ease? So ask the questions you want the answers to. The questions you ask will be the answers you get. So if you're asking, why can't, why isn't this working? Why do I keep experiencing this? Why am I on repeat? 
Mm-hmm. Well, so what would it what would it take to break free from this? What would it take to change this? What would it and the, and then as you said, the support will appear, the teacher will appear, and it, like when you're looking for it, your reticular activating system is like is on scan mode, and it looks for it throughout your environment, through the things that you see on social media, through the people who are talking, and you're going to hear something in a coffee shop, and you're like, that is that was meant for me, that is for me. I need to get in on that. So ask the questions you want the answers to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and also, you know, um, don't, don't kid yourself. You know, you know, oh, you yeah. know, you know, you know, how many times have you had that moment where you think to yourself, like, I just don't have a good feeling about this and I don't know why, or, or how many times, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about someone and then the next minute they've called me or they text me. All right. I want you to start paying, like, especially if you're trying to like tap into this for the first time. This is what I mean about looking for the evidence. So I'm like, wow, I'm so magical. Look how magical I am. I just, whatever I want happens. And I just start saying that to myself because you also get what you focus on every time. Mm-hmm. Every so if, if you know that, right. And so let's just say you're listening to this and I'm, I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm just speaking to the five years younger version of me. Right. Because if you, if you're anything like me and you're listening to this, you're probably looking for the, yeah, but like looking for the holes, like, okay, that's cute. But right. So I'm going to just offer this to you because even if you're right, let's just say for funsies, you're right. And I'm making it all up and it's all in my head and it's all crazy. I'm going to reflect back to you. Who do you think is living a happier life? Right? So we're all making crap up. I'd rather, I'd rather believe the stuff that makes me feel fulfilled. Mm. Believe the stuff that's just keeping me in pain. And if I get that choice, I'm going to take that choice every day, all day. That's how I step into my power because I knowing that I am, that I am responsible, that I can make that choice, that I can literally can, can, can have that type of power over how I feel and think I'm taking it all day, every day. Why not? Give me that Kool-Aid. I, I, I was such a skeptic. I was such a skeptic and I can, I was watching things happen, unfold, seeing people read certain books and I'm like, nice, nice title cover title page on that book, like the power of subconscious mind, anything by Wallace Waddles. <laughs> like I'm going to, I was like, you guys are oh my gosh. nutty. Have you read the secrets of a millionaire mind? I have not. Oh my, put it on, put it on replay, get the audio, get the audio. And I listen to it every day. And honestly, there's something he said there in there, speaking of criti- critical parents, right. And speaking of, of critic um, living in a critical household and for my parents who are raising children, read that book. And here's why he talks about how, and this is also speaks to why I think that um, this also speaks to why I think you know, conscious parenting is the way to go is because what happens is, is you start to condition your, your kids and, and you start to be conditioned to get punished and live by punishment that it shows up in your adulthood life that if there's no parent there to punish you, you're going to punish you. Let me take care of this. I got, I got this. Uh, Oh yeah, mom. Okay. You're tapped out. I'm going to start punishing myself and you start punishing you. And it often will show up in wealth. That is, 
I cannot wait. That's exciting. I am. Um, I'm working with this woman who's just a genius and she's, uh, as you might've been able to tell from our conversation, I love neuroscience, big, big geek nerd. Love it. Can't just want to learn more about it. And she talks about rupture and repair. Mm-hmm. So anywhere in your childhood where you've had a rupture, like something bad happened uh, or something you perceived to be bad, you got told knowing you were scared. And again, your nervous system is like, I might die. I better mold myself so my parents don't leave me in the wilderness. Uh, we go through that and we our nervous system adapts so that we behave in a specific way, which is hence the punishment. Uh, and noticing that if you have that happen now, whether it's with your friends or yourself or your children, you can actually, if there is a rupture, it doesn't mean you've messed it all up. There is room for you to create repair with the nervous system. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing this particularly with my sweet three-year-old niece. Oh my God. She is such a riot. She's also fierce AF. And she, when she wants something, there is what she will go to the ends of her earth, whatever she knows about it to get it. And sometimes it's just something that's not gettable in that moment. It's like, Oh, like that is either dangerous. (laughs) Please don't launch yourself over the edge of that. That is tremendously not good for you, Uh, but you're able to repair it. So if something goes wrong, if you've punished yourself, you can actually go back and apologize to you and fix it. And like what I was trying to do, what I was worried about was this. It doesn't necessarily mean it was right. I was actually wrong. And you can actually, I've straight up, oh my God, I, I can't believe I'm admitting this on the internet. I talk to myself in my mirror sometimes to reconcile the bullshit I put myself through. Every day. And I love that you bring that up too, right? Because I, I also said, you know, I don't say I'm sorry. It context matters, right? Because I absolutely do will. I will be responsible for my actions and for the implementations despite the in, the the intent, right? Mm-hmm. To myself and to others, but to myself especially, right? So I'm sorry is so appropriate depending on the context. Oh yeah. Right? And I may not say I'm sorry. Like again, I've been working on not saying I'm sorry and Canadians why is it a thing? Why? Like it's comical how accurate it is. It's comical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I, what I meant was this, mm-hmm. this is, uh, I love the, uh, for those of you who know me, I've done the landmark forum and they have a really great model that I really like. What is so this is what happened. The impact was my commitment is to X, Y, Z. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to rewire that super neural freeway. Uh, mm-hmm. Here are the steps I'm going to need to do. One is getting present. And like, this is what, what, what is so is I really care about how, when I'm talking to myself in the mirror, how well we do. I'm care. I care. Cause I'm, I'm both the speaker and the observer. So there's at least two of us in this conversation right. at least. Right. And so you, I go through and I'm like the impact of me saying that was that I felt like it was the only way to control the situation. And I was nervous because of X, Y, Z. And the other impact for Clarissa side B was that I felt, diminished. I felt stupid. I felt like helpless, useless, that I, that nothing I did matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that no matter how much effort I put in, I won't be able to affect the change. I hope to, I hope to affect. And what I'm actually committed to is creating a meaningful impact in the world. And what I'm going to look for is I'm going to point to possibility rather than point to where things aren't going well. So, you know, if you look at the rock in a whitewater raft, you're going towards that rock. So you're supposed to look for the open space. So look for the open space don't, don't look at, you don't need that. Yeah. That that's, it's important to know it's there, but you don't look at it mm-hmm. you look to where the open space is. So it's powerful stuff. And I highly advise, <laughs> recommend, yeah. indulge I, yourself in that. 
And I also love the idea of repair because I just such a perfect thing also to round out in terms of like for the high achiever, because sometimes when they're hearing this conversation, they go, I broke everything I touched, which is just so not true, right? Even with parenting, you just got to be 70%, just 70%, (laughs) right? And the truth of the matter is that the majority of the people on this planet are sleeping and not awake to themselves. And that 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 you know we think oh everybody knows that and the truth of the matter is that nobody knows that that we get to be part of the light that we get to be part of the awakening mm, totally absolutely that is so good okay i want people to find you and i'm sure they <laughs> want to find you so for my for my high achievers which are most of the people that listen to this podcast have i found you a golden like i don't know vast golden nugget huge one you gotta follow beverly beverly let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what you do where people can find you and how if people want to work with you they can do that sure so i i um I'm over at b simpson fitness you can come hang out with me on instagram say hi if you are listening to this show and this helped you in any way please screenshot it and tag clarissa tag me let us know what's your big takeaway because you know we want to you know, we create this thing on a Sunday so that we can connect and hang out with you. So, and honestly, please. Also, I'm going to say, if you have not given her a five-star review yet, please do that. This helps her share her message. With that said, uh, what I like to do is help really high-level fitness professionals turn their science skills into sales from a non-sleazy perspective. Because really at the end of the day, We're just helping people say yes to themselves. So if you want to learn more about that, come say, hang, come out, say hi. And if, even if you don't, we're, we're talking about this stuff all day, every day. It's so good. And what I will say is uh, for someone like me, who's had five near death experiences, didn't know that the gym was used for people who wanted to look good. I was just tremendously nervous in my first year of university. But what I can say is when your health and wellness are in check, Uh, and, and you are okay with doing well and doing good, the version of you that shows up that makes a difference that allows others to live in their best uh, possible way. I, I'm here for all the latent potential that's untapped. Like, where can we get more of that? If you are not well, if you are not having the success that would have you live larger, be more expansive, touch more lives, consider that there's room for it and that it's possible. And Beverly just might be your access point. So if you're sitting there struggling in your biz, uh, she might be the gal for you. So go give her a boo. And again, your handle will be in the show notes, but if you want to say it again right now for listeners who are not in the show notes, what is it again? It's B Simpson fitness. And it's just the letter B, not the letter B. Correct. Just letter letter B. B. Yep. Easy to find, a joy, a gem, a treat, a treasure, highly entertaining. And of course, you made my soul come on fire. I, when Chris said that I'd love you, I was like, okay, let's go. And, <laughs> and then I was like, you, you really meant it. Like, I like people. As I said, I like trees usually, but I love people. And I'm like, this, this gal, she's something. She's something. So You're go so- give Beverly a follow. I'm really excited to have you. That was such a fun, fun time for me. Thank you. Same for me too. I really appreciate it. That is so fun. Okay. Again, this is the Be Better podcast. Go give Beverly a follow. And you know, now is the time to say yes to your life. So take care and have a great day.